Shut up and sit down. Weekly Hockey Podcast with Brian Metzer of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. Tim Benz with you. Metz, you can hear him during intermissions. You can hear him post-game. You can hear him on Penns Live Weekly on Saturdays. Metz, we don't have the trade deadline to kick around anymore. I don't like it. I, that made for fun fodder that we could speculate rampantly on and, and kill a lot of time with him. Now we just have to focus on the team. Well, I do feel like upon further review, our speculation was indeed rampant because there weren't <laughs> a lot of folks in our business who had the names Michael Granlund, Nick Benino, and Dmitry Kulikov circled as potential targets for the Pens. Is that kind of like the, uh, the you place the order from Wish and then what actually showed up or whatever, you know, when you see those weird ads on Facebook and everything where... You think you're getting this like dynamite deal, and then it comes in, and it and it kind of looks like uh, the ugliest dog in the world. I thought you were thinking more along the lines of making a song request at Wish FM. Yeah, just play me anything. <laughs> play me anything from fill in the blank. You know, like, and then you get a yeah, song it's your you don't choice. Want. Yeah, it's uh, Jock's choice. You play what you want. This is the situation we're in. You you pick. Jock's choice. I don't think would have had for most Penguins fans. Granlin, Benino, and Kulikov. Do you? Uh, no, and, and the way I've looked at this trade deadline, though, Tim, is that I've tried to look at it for from the back end, meaning, okay, these are the guys that are here. Why did they select those guys, and how do they fit? Because if we you know, try and examine the whole path to this result, it's just too frustrating because we're all going to you know, make ourselves crazy worrying about you know, how, why did he wait so long to clear cap space? Why did he utilize the cap space in this way? And then, um, you know, how those decisions were made. So I just kind of looked at it that way. Okay, does this guy bring something to the table that maybe somebody that it replaced didn't? Yep, I can talk about that. So that's how I've tried to do it because it's just way too frustrating the other way around. I do think they're better. I don't think he was wrong about that. I like their makeup of the lineup better now than I did on Friday at 2.59 p.m., I don't like it enough to make me think that they're going to beat either Boston or Carolina in the first round. And I don't feel any better about putting a hundred bucks on them right now to make the playoffs. I I still think that's every bit the risk that it was before. Um, They honestly, in my opinion, bolstered needs that existed, but strangely not to the point where I think it's going to impact a ton of games. How about you? No, I I agree with that, Tim. I I just think the problem is, I, I feel like Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin having the kind of season that they are might be enough to get them into the playoffs. Um, but I, I just find it so hard to get my head around the fact that they can make any kind of run. And it's not that we've not seen this team rip off 14, you know, 14 wins out of 16 or 18 games like they did earlier this season. They're definitely capable of doing that, but it's far and few between. I think this season they've they've shown that they are more closer to a 500-type hockey team, even with the outstanding seasons of their big guys. And when you look at where they are in the standings, clinging to the final wildcard position right now with the Buffalo Sabres kind of breathing down their necks with the game in hand, the Ottawa Senators cruising in just behind them with the same amount of games and the player that many Penguins fans hoped that the Penguins would get, Jacob Chikrin, who already looks pretty darn good on that roster, 
uh, and even the Panthers. I know that the Penguins have games in hand on them, but they're all at 68 points, as are the Washington Capitals to the Penguins' 71. So any misstep by the Penguins right now, who looked pretty wretched the other day in their final game, uh, you know, before this week that on Saturday night, they just, they don't, that didn't look good. That didn't look like something that's going to play well in the playoffs. So is that going to beat the Boston Bruins, Carolina Hurricanes, or delusions of grandeur if they are able to catch the New York Rangers, which isn't out of the question just because they've faltered a little bit and the Penguins uh, are just eight points behind with uh, three games looming against them. They could always jump up there, but your reward for that is playing the Devils. So that's another bugaboo type of fly in the ointment team for the Pens. So it's just a, an ugly road no matter how you cut it. As far as that pack of teams is trying to track them down, Mets, it is almost like a Pens versus the field kind of bet, isn't it? Except they aren't Tiger Woods in 2001. Correct. Yeah, this this is maybe Tiger Woods of today throwing them back into that, you know, those tournaments that he, he would do that against back then, you know, I mean, this is, this is a team that looks pretty average. Um, they can look really outstanding on any given night. They still have some issues with their goaltending specifically if Tristan Jari can't play because I know there was at least two goals that I watched Casey DeSmith give up the other night that I wasn't impressed with. And, uh, you know, I, I will give them the benefit of seeing what Dmitry Kulikov brings to their bottom pairing. Uh, I know that when you did your Madden um, podcast today, Mark kind of, you know, lamented the fact that they didn't even put him in the lineup Saturday. Well, that's because he wasn't with the team yet, or I think he would have played. They, um, he, you know, he was traveling in from the West Coast and all these kinds of things, so he wasn't even with them. And he just got to practice today for the first time. And it looks like, based on Sullivan, he will be in there. And I think that taking a lot of that top six pressure or top two pressure, top four pressure, off of him uh, from where he needed to play in Anaheim, that could bolster their bottom pair a little bit, which isn't a bad thing. I think that could help. But overall, um, you know, you mentioned it. I think they upgraded their lineup with the moves that they made based on replacing Brock McGinn and Kasperi Kapanen. I certainly feel like Granlund and Benino can do that. And then Ryan Paling does that even more. And then you have to decide what you want to do with Nick Benino because if Paling was healthy, I'm not even sure they go out and acquire Nick Benino. So all that said, they are pretty average, but I think they can maybe squeak in a little bit. But this is a very tough situation with those teams that are behind them, as you just said, because they are certainly not Tiger Woods, and they're not going to run away with this wild card race by any means. What do you think Benino really has left? Um, I'll tell you this. He's still among the uh, block shots leaders, among forwards in the league. He only, Believe it or not, only Austin Matthews for some odd reason, had more block shots than him from the forward position. He kills penalties pretty well still. Um, I thought he was moving pretty well whenever I was watching him uh, the other night in the in the hockey game. So I, I don't think he's the Nick Benino that was here in 16 and 17 by any means. He's obviously an older player. I believe he's 34. Uh, but I think he still brings a defensive type of presence to the table. And as a fourth-line type center or even somebody that you use as a penalty killer and and, you know, keep him out there as a fourth-line player because he, he could play on the wing if he needed him to. I, I think that they do prefer him at center, and potentially he centers some combo of Archibald and Paling whenever everybody's healthy. But I, I think he has a little bit to offer in, in that way, more of a defensive-type player who can do those things and block shots and bring that mentality to the team because for everybody that's on this roster that's a little bit more skill and finesse, he's a little bit more blue-collar in his approach. And uh, I'm not saying it's going to save the day or anything, 
But of the acquisitions, that one bothered me, you know, not that much because he helped them get by this paling injury a little bit. He's very cheap. He's a, a rental. He'll be out of here at the end of the season, and they can make a decision on what they want to do with him then. I don't think he would be back based on, um, you know, what they need to do in the offseason. But for right now, to get them down the stretch, I, I think it could work out just based on all of that. Big stretch of games here coming up, Mets, as we look at the games in hand thing that you referenced before. Um, that's something that Penguins fans have held on to for a while. But like you pointed out with Ottawa, they're in the same situation. Uh, if you look at where Ottawa is right now, 62 games at the time of our taping. The Pens at 62 games. Um and then even Buffalo at 61 games, when you rattled through that, it jogged my memory about, you know, some of the importance that's associated with these upcoming games for the Pens to cash in on, not just because they're playing them and they have to make these games in hand count as victories, but also because they're all at home. Uh, the next four being at home against Columbus, the Islanders, Philadelphia, and New York, actually five in a row with the uh, Canadians game in there. I, I forgot they're allowed to play somebody besides the Rangers coming up here shortly, or at least some teams <laughs> from New York. But they've got all these games coming up against divisional foes. They're at home, and these games that they've had in their pocket, they're going to start to expire, and they better get as many wins as possible in this tight, <clears throat> compact stretch that they have coming up, including the three this week. Hey, you certainly better beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, Columbus, Philadelphia, Montreal. You better pick up those three wins. And, of course, the Islanders game is just huge because they're ahead of the Penguins in the wild card situation here. So I think that those four games loom very large. Uh, and then, of course, the trio of games against the, the Rangers coming up. I mean, you got to go to New York and play back-to-back -back with a day in between uh, against probably Shesterkin. He could probably play both of those games because they're separated by a day. It's not a true back-to-back, -back, and you're in their building. Uh, they haven't, as I said, looked that great since Patrick Kane arrived, so maybe that's good news for the Pens. But before you even get to that, it's these home games, and the Penguins typically are a decent home team. I mean, this year they're 16-9-4. That record's a little worse than it once was. They've, you know, they've been much better than that on home ice in the past, just two games over 500 on the road. So... You need to take advantage of these five games, collect as many points against the teams behind you, and hopefully the Islanders so that you're ready <clears throat> Excuse me for that big matchup against the Rangers that's going to be looming just ahead here. Well, that and then Ottawa actually coming out of that match. They play Ottawa three yeah. times in four games. Then, uh, Sorry, they play New York three times in four games. Then they get the Senators on March 20th. <laughs> that might be the most important game left on the calendar. It really might be, Tim. I mean, they could at that point have – have matched or surpassed surpassed the penguins and the standings i mean they were being anointed now they've won five in a row uh they look good with chikrin the other night they actually beat the rangers the other night which was a big win for them because they were trailing that in that game at one point came back uh and won the hockey game and, and for me you you look at them the people in canada i was watching the trade center on friday uh via espn plus since they were nice enough to provide that um that footage in the United States. Uh, that's the one good thing I feel like ESPN plus did for the NHL all season. Um, I, I was following along and they anointed Ottawa, this team of destiny. Canada is fully embracing them as a team that could make a run this year. And, and now I don't doubt that, but I found it funny because they're not even in a playoff spot yet. And I think that their year is still probably next year or the year after before they can make a serious run into Stanley cup. But to your point, the Penguins can't take them for granted at all because they are probably the hottest team in the league right now. They've acquired one of the biggest fish 
and they look fine with the big fish. Some of these other teams, I know Timo Meyer looked good for the Devils finally playing for them last night and scored a goal. But beyond that, uh, everything that the Rangers did looks like it hurt them a little bit. Um, and in the Eastern Conference in general, Toronto lost Ryan O'Reilly to a broken finger now, and he's out indefinitely. He's on long-term IR. So that's not going to be in, in the best interest of them. So Ottawa might be a team that could take their own division by surprise a little bit in matchups that they have head-to-head with some of those teams. And, of course, make a run at the Penguins and Islanders in the wild card. Brian Metzer with us. Yeah, you look at the schedule overall, Metz. There are plenty of soft spots for the Pens to land here, even though there's a lot of games. Um, they've got opponents coming up like you know we've outlined already. If they're going to be a playoff team, you beat Columbus twice. If they're going to be a playoff team, you beat the Flyers twice. Yep. They've got Detroit coming up twice. Granted, both on the road, but that's a team that's lost six in a row and might be ready to go down the drain. Um, the Preds are still on the schedule. They sold every. I, I take that back. Do they have the Preds one more time. Uh, yeah, they, they have on March yeah. 30th. Yeah, they yep. got them. At, they got them at home on the 30th. That's a team that sold everybody off. Uh, they got Chicago right before the end of the season. Like these are games that they have to win. The Canadians between the Ranger games that I talked about before. These are games that they have to win if they think they're a playoff team. And then you try to split the rest more or less, and it might be good enough. You know what, Tim? Uh, the Penguins may go into the final three games of the season needing six points to to make some hay. They have Detroit. And that's good because they got Detroit, yeah, Chicago, and yeah. Columbus. Yep, that's what I was just going to say. So those teams, that helps them out. However, for as good as they have been against teams behind them in the standings, they are just so capable of playing down to their competition on occasion. That might not be a good situation for them. However, as I said, with Sidney Crosby of Guinea Malkin, I think that that could help them in a scenario where they got to get points against those three bottom-dwelling type teams, uh, two of, or one of which anyway, maybe two, depending on where Chicago ends up will be trying to vie for Connor Bedard still, so they may not be want to ice a very solid NHL lineup against the Penguins, so that may help their cause. But you stir in the fact that Minnesota's there. They look pretty decent. Bill Guerin has them playing better than anybody would have dreamed based on all of the cap situations that they had. They were able to acquire some players. You have the Bruins you're going to have a game with. The Caps are going to be maybe hungry to be spoiler to the Penguins when they play them on the 25th. Then you have back-to-back games against Colorado and Dallas as well, both on the road. Both of those teams, very, very solid. Uh, they played well against each other this past weekend. Uh, Dallas looked really good against Colorado. They they knocked them off. And then, um, you know, the Avs should be, I would imagine, pretty healthy by that game. So that could be a bad spot for the Penguins. So with the good teams that they have to play, they have to take full advantage of the bad teams, as you pointed to. Mets, what else do we need to kick around here? Uh, Jake Gensel, he didn't practice, right? today no jake was out uh they're calling it more of like a maintenance situation he should be back for tomorrow evening or tonight whenever you're listening to this out there in listener land but uh when you look at this the most intriguing thing of the day was uh granlin being put at center on the third line with the doc drew o'connor and they moved carter to the right wing and for me i thought that would be a great situation because when everybody was like going on and on about who could Granlin set up? He's a better playmaker than goal scorer. Jeff Carter came to mind because I think Jeff Carter was hurt just as much by Casper Kapanen and, and Brock McGinn as anybody. Not that he's not washed a little bit and not able to play at the level of Jeff Carter anymore, but when you gave him that baggage, he wasn't able to look good. He still has a shot, though, and he averages most nights, I would say, three shots a game. If you got a guy like Granlin feeding him, 
he can unleash his shot again and maybe start to score a couple goals for you, which would be good. Drew O'Connor's starting to look a lot better, and maybe he continues to be a very viable player on that line. Paling skated on the fourth line today. He was back at center. Benino was on the wing with Josh Archibald on the other side. So that's a line that I think would be very interesting if it's able to go. They said Paling is not necessarily going to be in the lineup, but he's back in practice, etc. And uh, the wild card of this whole thing was Danton Heinen got thrown up there on the left wing with Sidney Crosby and Ricard Raquel to offset Jake Gensel. Uh, but I imagine that won't be the case come game time if Jake is, in fact, actually available. Well, Madden made the suggestion, I don't think it's the craziest thing ever, that maybe you consider Crosby with Gensel, Malkin with Raquel, and then Zucker, Granlin, and Rust as a third line. Yeah, you know what? Uh, Staggy said that when we were kicking some stuff around this past weekend as well, and it gives you two players that are very capable third line types, uh, and I think it gives you a not necessarily an HBK situation, but it gives you a very viable third line. And I think that's been one of the biggest issues for this team all year, Tim, is that they haven't had a viable third line. And when the Penguins were good, anytime, going back to the beginning of the Sid Sid and Geno era, it was largely whenever they had running mates on the third line to go out there and take some attention away, make it hard on the opposition, score some big goals. And if they can get that type of lineup put together, together, I think it could work for them. And Sullivan certainly has a number of capable forwards now that he could go the the duos route like he's always done in the past, do what you just pointed to, have two and two and two down the down the entire lineup, and then fill in the gaps with a very productive winger that you could slot in. I, I think that could be a very balanced type of lineup, the way that you just mentioned Mark said and, and the way that Staggy and I kicked around on the weekend too. So I it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing. I don't hate this version of the lineup that they use today if Jake Gensel replaces Dan Heinen, and we'll, we'll see if that is the case because I think that gives you a decent fourth line. The third line looks like it could be productive, and if it doesn't work, then you still have the option of doing what you just said. Mets, great stuff. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate it. By the next time we talk, the Oscars will be handed out. Do you have an Oscar movie for me? I'm going with Top Gun. Uh, I'd love to see Top Gun win, Tim. Um, it, it proved that that kind of movie could still play. It was um, a little patriotic from what I hear. I still haven't seen it, believe it or not. Cocaine but, Bear uh, doesn't count. Cocaine Bear is for next year. You know what I just heard? I sent uh, Madden a uh, note about this because he was the biggest champion of Cocaine Bear that I've come across in the last couple of weeks. Elizabeth Banks, who ironically directed that, which I was shocked to hear uh, You know, of Zach and Miri make a porno fame, Tim. I didn't realize she was the director of Cocaine Bear, and she just said she's in talks to make Cocaine Shark. That has to be a joke. Um, I would hope that the next branch they would go to is like a domesticated animal, like Cocaine (laughs) House Cat or Cocaine Sheepdog or something like that. Cocaine Hamster. Cocaine Parakeet. That would be an actual good one, I think. Or what about cocaine goldfish or guppy? <laughs> beta fish. Cocaine beta fish. What happens with cocaine once it gets in the water? Does it get in the fish's system? How does that work? Does the fish take it in through its gills? Like, I, I don't know how that, that tangibly would work. Uh, I, I'll take something I just learned from watching a behind-the-zoo uh, show over the weekend whenever I was visiting with my mother. They needed to do surgery on a seahorse. And what they did was they pump water with a, with a hose through its gill system. 
so that it can breathe out of water as they're doing the surgery. So that's what they do. The dealer for the goldfish takes it from the tank or it's, it's you know, bowl, whatever it has, and it runs the cocaine-infused water through its gills, and then it places it back in. What do they do about, like, merging the franchises? Can they just call it Jaws 6 Cocaine Shark and just be done with it instead of, like, going through all the copyright <laughs> infringement issues that would come from that? Well, I think Cocaine Shark plays nicer with Sharknado. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so I'm not sure, Tim, but if you did uh, have Cocaine Bear meet up with Cocaine Goldfish, he'd probably just eat it. Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio <laughs> Network.